Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. They specialize in making their facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. Not only that, there are no movement fees and there are no visitation restrictions. They are located near I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more information, you can call 469-400-7650. That is Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor of Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Taylor Ragland and Brian Murphy. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss uh, some reactions to the second round of the high school football playoffs, including Allen surviving its first true test of the season, uh, one step closer to a dream matchup between Reedy and Alito. But first, well, you know what? Let's stick with Frisco ISD, because I'd say, Brian, of uh, when we were previewing all these, uh, these big games uh, last week and whatnot in anticipation of the second round um, of all the results that transpired over the uh, over the weekend I would say the one that probably floored us the most was 49 um, 21 Lone Star over Lufkin Brian where the heck did that come from well Lufkin before the game for breakfast they had turnovers oh, I see and what you they actually had six of them. Uh, and, you know, when you turn the ball over six times... Playing on a bit of a full stomach. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. And, you know, they had a million fumbles in this game. And Noah Bolton, the younger brother of Nick Bolton, who's now playing at Missouri, one of the best players to even come through Frisco ISD, his little brother, you know, he's getting defensive touchdowns as a sophomore. Uh, Julian Larry in the Marvin Mims hookup was on... Full display. Marvin Mims, seven catches, 239 yards, three touchdowns. Julian Larry completed only seven passes. We were just talking about this. And all seven of them were to Marvin Mims. So that offense is really clicking at the right time. Marvin Mims looks like he's 100%. Missed a couple games earlier this year. But he's he's balling. Julian Larry looks like he's figured out the quarterback position pretty well. And then, when you, like I said, when you force six turnovers and you don't turn the ball over at all, yes. that's the recipe to beat, you know, a state-ranked state title contender in Lufkin. How much does a game like this force us to kind of now start to kind of recalibrate our expectations on just what Lone Star can do this postseason? Honestly, we should have done that after they destroyed Legacy the week before, but we were like, you know, maybe they didn't have Jalen Catalan. Yeah. It's not the same Mansfield Legacy team. And we were kind of discrediting Lone Star. Oh, no, because it clearly didn't have much of an effect on us because all of us picked Lufkin to win that yeah. game like, yeah. <laughs> like, like morons. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, now it's going to be hard to, pit in, to go against Lone Star, yeah. and I don't want to look ahead too far because if they, you know, win this week against Tyler John Tyler, which won't be an easy game, no. <laughs> but we get a rematch possibly against Highland Park, mm-hmm. and then earlier this year, the you know those two teams played it was ten to seven weird uh, defensive game, but that'd be that would be fun to see, and you know I would not be surprised at this point now after seeing Lone Star's first two games, 
of the playoffs and how they've won those games. I wouldn't be surprised if they win again this week. Because they really have kind of turned a corner since that that heartbreaking loss to uh, to the Colony. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at some of the just the offensive production period since then. Um, since that loss to the Colony in those five games since, they are averaging 47.2 points per game. I mean, there was a three-game stretch earlier in the season against Highland Park, Little Elm, and Wakeland where they totaled 31 points. I mean, so it's one thing to force you know the turnovers that they did and get that field position, um, but I mean, sh- surely like the uh, the fact that they're able to now cash in on those opportunities, they're not bogging down in the red zone, settling for field goals or whatnot. They're able to. The, it seems like just the overall efficiency of the offense kind of mm-hmm. has gone up a level in recent weeks. And I saw all three of those games yeah. against Little Elm, Wakeland, and, and Highland Park, and that offense was just abysmal. There, you know, there's no sugarcoating it. It was bad. You know, against Little Elm, they didn't even have an offensive touchdown. Their only mm-hmm. score was a Marvin Mims kick return yeah. early in that game. And so you're, you're thinking, man, what's their defense is so good. At one point in the year, uh, after, in that stretch of games, they were allowing five points per game. That's unheard of in yeah. high school. You know, anything below 20 is unheard of. And they were just dominating defensively. And it was like, man, if this, only this offense can figure things out. If you don't, if only they could bring in Jason Shelley back or or MJ Rivers and, and all those guys. But no, Julian Larry, he's he's really come into his own and. And what, what was the stat? You said 49 points a game? 47? 47.2, which is still, like, considering where they were at earlier in the season, sure. that's amazing. Yeah, I would have not expected that, you know, especially after the, the Colony game. When, you know, a game that I, you know, they could have won. Oh, they, yeah. they lost on, on the, the hook and ladder. Insane play to win the game. But, you know, after that, they've just been on it. And they've beaten some some good teams in, in in that stretch. The fact that that game was kind of like a rallying point for them too, I think it really just shows kind of the resilience of that of that ball club. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Yeah, Lone Star was able to pick up a very a fairly impressive win that we necessarily did not see coming. Um, another one that uh, we did not see coming was uh, at the four A level. Uh, Salina man, <laughs> never pick against yeah. Salina in the playoffs. See, we I talked I did a big story on this last year. I met with Coach Elliott and all those guys. You know. About Salina time. That's a, a legit thing. They 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 coined this phrase Salina time. When they get into the playoffs, no matter how disappointing a regular season may be, it, to them making the playoffs and not winning a district is a disappointment mm-hmm. for them. Just how mm-hmm. you know storied their their program is and their 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 football program as a whole is. But you know they finished fourth in the district this year. You know they just squeak into the playoffs. You know they barely beat Wilmer Hutchins in week one, and we're like, all right, Stephenville. You know. They had a great run through the postseason last year. They've been a great team so far this year. Salina doesn't have a chance. And what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they get a late fumble uh, recovery. They take it, you know, 60 yards or something on Stephenville's final offensive play of the game near the goal line to seal the deal. Uh, I saw it on Twitter, actually. I wasn't at the game. I was at uh, the Prosper game or the, the game before, the night before Reedy, Reedy and the Frisco doubleheader. But I was keeping up with them on Twitter, and you could hear the Salina radio crew just going nuts mm-hmm. as he's just taking the ball down the sideline. You know, that's great to see for Salina. You know, yeah. it, a down year is them <laughs> barely making the playoffs, and that's a that's a down year for them. And for them to beat Stephenville and now have a rematch against one of their fiercest rivals in Argyle is 
pretty awesome. Like a down year for them. Like sure, but like record wise, obviously mm-hmm. not at the level of you know previous regular seasons. But I think in hindsight, we're now seeing that that district probably had a bit more to do with it. When oh, you yeah. factor in that Argyle being Argyle, yep. Melissa, you know they took a hard one to Waco La Vega, but there's no shame in that. Sure. That was, I mean, Melissa was a great team all regular season, and then Paris coming out of nowhere oh, yeah. this season, and they're now I believe top ten ranked. And Paris was the second best team in that district, yeah. and we all discredited them. We all thought you know they were going to be. This is going to be a three horse race. Yeah. At the start of the season, oh yeah, Paris was. I mean, they and they gave Argyle a really good game. So I think in hindsight, mm-hmm. it's not so much an indictment on Salina. That was just a really good district. Yeah, and and Salina's. It's interesting. Their two playoff games have been nail biters. You know, mm-hmm. he, a, pl- a big play here or there could mm-hmm. could change the outcome of that game. But during the regular season, it was a bl- all most of their games were either blowout for, in Salina's fashion mm-hmm. and for the, in their favor, or they were getting blown out like against Argyle and Paris. You know, they didn't really play close games, and now here they are. You know, when the games matter the most, and they're they're gutting them out and gutsy gutsy wins. Logan Point. Yeah, he's so underrated. You know, he's a really, really good running back. We had him on the podcast, you know, earlier this year. Every game, it's it's guaranteed he's going to have at least 100 yards and two touchdowns. And he was kind of limping his way into the playoffs. He didn't really play much against Anna when they blew them out. And, but he's 100. percent It's showing in the stat sheet, and he's he's been the bell cow of of this team. He's the only junior, and he's just a monster out of the backfield. Salina now in the third round of the playoffs for the eighth time in the past nine years. So that is, uh, yeah, just, again, like you said, Salina time. It's just that time of year for them. I think the only time they lost or they didn't get this far was 2013 against Gainesville. Mm -hmm. And Coach Elliott brought that up before the playoffs started, how, you know, that only one time in the last 25 playoff trips they didn't get past the first round. And that's saying a lot, too, so... But they're squeaking by, but they have a tough test this week against Argyle. Back up at the 5A level, like I said, um, at the start of the podcast, we are one step closer to, I think, the uh, kind of the matchup in uh, 5A Division Two Region Two that you know the stars have kind of been you know slowly aligning towards yeah. uh, getting this matchup. And uh, hey, wouldn't you know it? But you obviously got to see Reedy take care of business against Midlothian. You got to see Alito for the first time as yep. they just took it to Lovejoy. Um, you know, Taylor, just kind of what were your impressions on your first look at the uh, at the Bearcats and just, I mean, just the uh, the dismantling of uh, of Lovejoy. I think you said it. It was it was a dismantling, and it was methodical. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just every time Alito had the ball, it was either you know a, a 85 yard drive, or you know Jace McClellan would break a big run and, and get him down deep, and then you know it, it wouldn't take that many more plays to score. Um, it, it, they just had no answers. Lovejoy didn't, and, and that's no indictment on Lovejoy. I think Lovejoy had a fine season, and, and you know Todd Ford after the game said similarly that you know this is one of the the state's elite programs, obviously, and, and Lovejoy's trying to get to that level. So no shame in that. But Alito is a machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than I mean, I guess Allen, I guess, would be the other team that I've seen this year that's kind of that's that way, and that they just go out and take care of business. Although that game had a little bit more emotional uh, baggage, the Plano East Allen game. This one didn't have any of that. I mean, Alito just looked like a team. They ran out there. You know, they they took the field. They handed the ball to Jason McClellan for 308 yards. And they just did what they do. And, And it was not ever close. It was never in doubt. There was never any intrigue. They just completely rolled over everything Lovejoy threw at them. Now, here's a fun game, fun game to play. Is Alito the best team you've seen this year? The you've best seen, team I've seen. I've seen Allen. You've seen Allen. Okay. I, so. I mean, I, I guess I'd have to default to Allen just because mm-hmm. you know the the powerhouse that Allen is, being a six sure. A powerhouse, and you know the, all of that, defending state champion, all that craziness. But 
Alito's up there. I mean, it's definitely the best 5A team I've seen by a wide margin. So, because I, I haven't seen Reedy, so I, I have no point of comparison between those two teams. But Alito is certainly the best 5A team that, that I've seen this year, and it's, it's not close. As far as Reedy goes, though, Brian, I mean, that was one. I believe, uh, you know, Devin Hassan was sounding a bit of an upset alarm, you know, last week with uh, with Midlothian potentially being able to pose a threat to, yeah, to Reedy. Yeah. Um, you know, not not so much the case. You know, the Lions take care of business as they continue the uh, the the high water playoff run in the uh, in their program's history. So, uh, yeah, with them bound for the third round, um, impressions on uh, on their latest playoff win. I mean, it was twenty-one to nothing before you could even blink an eye really? in this one. Josh Foskey, I mean. 300 touch or 300 yards, five touchdowns. You look at that and you're like, just watching the game, you didn't even realize his numbers were that staggering because he just does that regularly. And he almost had a rushing touchdown in that game where he ran down the sideline in, in within inside the 10 yard line, and he once he got to about the four, there was guys collapsing in on him near the the, the edge of the pylon in the corner, and he he wanted to dive so bad. He started to dive and then he half dove and didn't didn't make it. But if he would have just punched that one in. He would have had six touchdowns, and that's another element he's added to his game this year is being able to run the ball. I know Chad Cole told me last year they don't want to really want to run with him a lot and, you know, just, just use him uh, through the air, but, you know, they've added that other dynamic to his game this year. And Foskey, one of the best quarterbacks in the Metroplex, and, you know, he, he found uh, Bennett Meekum, you know, yeah. one of his old targets uh, for their best performance together. He had Bennett Meekum had three touchdowns in this one. Uh, he had two uh two touchdowns in that 21-point stretch, and then he had the one that really put it away late in the game. And Reedy, they have not been challenged since that game against the Colony, and that one wasn't even as close as the score score showed it was. That was a, a nine-point win for Reedy, but Reedy was in full control. They have they really haven't been challenged all year, and we inch closer and closer. Now you'll see what happens this week. Yeah. You know, I know, you know, Reedy has Burleson Centennial. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Alito has, but um, Alito has uh, South Oak Cliff. Okay, that's right. And I just saw South Oak Cliff South play, play Frisco. South Oak Cliff looked good. Yeah. I was I was kind of shocked. I was kind of discrediting discrediting them a little bit on, on the podcast last week, saying they hadn't played anyone. I've been telling everyone that you know, look at their strength of schedule. It was garbage. They're playing Dallas ISD. No, they they took it to Frisco. They were just the much better team. Uh, let's see, but um, we were just talking Frisco Reedy, so obviously that's a nice way to transition to our student-athlete spotlight and a chance to, uh, Brian, you were able to swing by this morning at least, to uh, mm-hmm. to talk with uh, with quarterback Josh Foskey. And um, just the, the Lions uh, and just their, their terrific season up to this point as they are now in the third round of the playoffs. So, yeah, let's see what Josh Foskey had to say after a word from the sponsor. And we talk Alito in that game, in that podcast, too. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, or exterior, ATD painting has you covered. They have four locations in the Metroplex, including Plano and Louisville. You can call 972-694-8888 for more information, or you can visit their website at atdpainting.com. That is ATD painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. All right, I'm with Josh Foskey, quarterback here at Reedy. Josh, how good does it feel to be a uh, 12-0 in area champions? Uh, it feels amazing. It's just, uh, it's it just pay, it just shows that all our hard work this season's paid off, and uh, we're 12-0 and moving on. So now I've never asked you this, but what did y'all take away from that playoff loss last year that y'all felt like y'all should have won against Lake Dallas? Uh, we knew that we had to work even harder because we thought we were, you know, we thought we were in that game, but then we faded in the second half due to injuries and stuff. So we knew we had to work hard because 
anyone can go down at any time. We got to know that we just got to replace them and uh, move on with the game. Now, right now, y'all are sitting there, sitting pretty at 12-0. and 0. Uh, How much fun has this ride been with this team? Uh, it's been really fun. Even before the season, we had a feeling that uh, it was going to be a special season. And uh, it's been extremely fun. You know, each game we've just gotten to, you know, celebrate after and uh, keep on moving on to the next week. Now, it helps that you're a three-year starter at quarterback and you have a lot of guys returning. But what has been that recipe to success? Why are y'all 12-0, and do you feel like? Uh, I, I feel like it's down to the, uh, the O-line and the playmakers that I have uh, – on the team because the O line they're doing a great job. They're as as you've mentioned before, they're they're very big, and uh, the playmakers I have around me just make it easy to uh, deliver the ball. And a uh, running back Michael Ferrara, he does a great job of uh, taking some pressure off the passing game. So just makes it. Now you out there. you kind of brought up my next question. Michael Ferrara is kind of kind of come out of nowhere. You know, filling in for Justin Gibson who graduated last year, and Michael Ferrara has been one of the best running backs in, in the district in the area. Talk about how big he's been for that offense. Uh, he's been huge. He's a, such a hard worker. He goes in every single morning and works as hard as he can. And he's really good at just sneaking through those holes and getting four or five yards each and every carry. So it's, it's good to have that uh, that you can fall back on. Now, do you feel like you're coming off your best performance last week uh, against Midlothian of your career? Uh, it, was, it was definitely up there. It was, it was great to do that on that stage and uh, be able to help my team uh, win that game. So. Well, you had over 300 yards, five touchdowns. Three of those were to uh, your old pal Bennett Meekum. Uh, y'all finally had that connection. You've thrown plenty of touchdowns to him before, but to explode the way y'all did for three touchdowns, uh, some big ones, too, to really put the game away, where, where did that kind of come from? Finally, the, the outburst with, with Bennett. Uh, me and Bennett, we've been playing together since I mean elementary school actually so I kind of know where he's going to be on the field and uh, it's great that we could uh find that connection in that game and uh, be able to push our team the next round. So. Now, what was it like being able to play on the week of Thanksgiving? You know, you didn't have to focus on school or, or tutorials or anything like that. You, you kind of did it, feel, did it feel like you were kind of like a professional? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, it, was, it was pretty relaxing just coming up here in the morning and then practicing, going home and hanging out with your family and uh, getting to play the day after Thanksgiving after watching all those pro teams play. It was a, it was a really cool experience. Now, next up, Burleson Centennial. What's what's kind of the scouting report on them? What's the deal with those guys? Uh, they run the same offense as Midlothian. They're going to hold the ball for a long time, and they're always in danger to break one, for the way, break one loose for a touchdown. So as offense, we have to keep on like we did last week. We have to score every single drive and uh, keep the pressure off our defense. Now, I know y'all aren't looking ahead. You know, you still have an opponent this week. But if y'all were to win this week, and a lot of people are talking about this, myself included, Alito could be, you know, the next opponent in y'all's way, number one ranked team in the state. Everyone knows about them. Are y'all kind of looking ahead to that game at all, thinking about them at all, or it's the sole focus is Burleson Centennial? I mean, we have to work for Burleson Centennial, but it's always been in the back of the mind, even from the beginning of the season, that the, those are the big dogs that we got to take down at some point. I mean, they're a great ball club, and I think it should be a fun, uh, fun matchup if, we, if we're lucky enough to make it there. Thanks again to Josh Foskey for taking the time to chat with Brian for our student-athlete spotlight. And now, uh, yeah, let's talk some 6A. Uh, for this, we've brought Justin Thomas into the fold to talk a little bit of uh, some 6A version of the uh, of the second round of the high school football playoffs. And Justin, uh, you know, a, a, a mixed week for uh, for the two Louisville ISD schools that were still hanging around. But we just um, we we're just talking a bit about um, you know just a, a kind of a back and forth matchup between Heber and and, uh, and Pierce. Uh, definitely yeah. one that I think at the start of the playoffs you probably wouldn't have envisioned. You know, this being the uh, the draw for Heber in the no. second. Around, but seeing, seeing Cedar Hill on uh, Friday, but nevertheless, the Hawks are able to. Uh, yeah, 
able to survive a what turned into a bit of a shootout with uh, yeah. with the Mustangs. And uh, now, yeah, Hebron bound for the third round. So just what were some takeaways from what Hebron was able to accomplish on Friday? Well, I think the first thing that stands out is it just seems like as we go through the season that Carson Harris, the Hebron quarterback, is getting better and better. And he makes a lot more plays with his legs than I thought he would. He's mm-hmm. a really good runner. He had a massive game in that Pierce game. Um, six total touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns. Um, Hebron threw up 574 yards total. Trajan Bridges, of course, a couple of the highlight variety touchdown catches. One of them, he just went up and over the guy yeah. on the left side. The other one, he almost kind of boxed him out in the corner and went up and got it. So that basketball background coming yeah, into play. Yeah, basketball <laughs> background, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was a pretty good game. Um, you know, the offenses were both moving. He Pierce actually had a span where in two plays they got a 75-yard touchdown pass. Hebron comes back and gets a field goal. Then Pierce gets a 67-yard touchdown pass on the very next play. Okay. That brought it to a three-point game, but then Carson Harris had a long touchdown run to give a little buffer. And then Pierce gets the ball back. Diego Johnson gets a 55-yard pick six, so they're up 15. Pierce gets the ball back again, and William White just absolutely murders the Pierce quarterback. <laughs> right, right by the goal line, he coughs it up, and William White picks it up and falls in the end zone for the touchdown. So the Hebron ends up, it was a 35, 38-35 game. They end up scoring three touchdowns in less than two minutes to really just blow it open at the end. But it was a closer game than the score looks. It was a good game. I was just looking. Now, this is uh, Hebron's just the third time that they've ever been right. in the third round of the playoffs. First time in over a decade. Yeah. And they'll be playing a uh, Haltom team that is also in the third time for the third time ever, and they haven't made it this far since '96. So oh, yeah, somebody's going to be having one of their best seasons in a long time. Yeah. Haltom has been one of the are, guess, uh, one of these stories of the of the Metroplex this year. Yeah, is they are, twelve and zero, right? Yeah, twelve and zero undefeated, and yeah, just a, one of those teams that just nobody kind of yeah. <laughs> nobody saw coming this year. Just going back to uh, Hebron's stat line real quick. Yeah. Harris finished eleven of fifteen passing, one hundred seventy-one yards and two touchdowns, no interceptions. 18 rushes, 208 yards, and wow. four touchdowns. And then Jalen Rott also ran for 154. So the Hebron offense is rolling right now. Huh. Um, we'll see. Looks like Haltom is kind of having the makings of a pretty powerful offense. So this one could have some points again. It doesn't look like, I would say, Haltom's strength is their defense. I'm sure they have a good one. But. With that mobility for Carson Harris, were those like were these design runs? Was it scrambling? Uh, no, a lot of them are designed. Some of them are scrambling, but a lot of them are designed. And... Just yeah, kind of always. Huh. So, but he's been really making it happen. When the last time they got a rushing performance like that out of the quarterback position? Yeah, I mean Clayton Toon was mobile and he could yeah. move and stuff, but no 200-yard games or anything wow. like that. So the um, the other game that you saw from uh, from the Louisville ISD uh, playoff docket, a, uh, yeah, this one didn't have much quite as much offense. Nah, <laughs> but you get to see what um, what some folks are saying is the best defense in uh, in the state. Um, just I mean, Duncanville thirty eight nothing over over Louisville. Just yeah. some. I mean, what'd you think of the Panthers in your first look at them this season? Well, their their defense is awesome. Their line just causes havoc, and their secondary makes plays. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they held Louisville to one hundred two yards, like. That's pretty salty. <laughs> Forced three turnovers. I mean, this came down to field position. Mm-hmm. So, 38-0. Duncanville gets the ball. They get a couple first downs. Louisville gets a stop. They have to punt. And the step goes over the punter's head, and he just has mm-hmm. to fall on it. Sh- long story short, Duncanville scores three, pos- three straight possessions after their, their opening possession. They're starting spots, the one-yard line, the seven-yard line, and the 11-yard line. Yeah, they had... That just isn't. You're never yeah. going to win a game under those kind of conditions. Goes over the head, they get the ball at the seven. They score mm. a touchdown. Louisville comes back, throws a pick. They get the ball at the 
11, score a touchdown. Louisville actually puts a nice drive together. They get down to the Duncanville 20. They're down 14-0. They take a shot on second and 10 at the end zone, and the Duncanville defensive back just made a nice play in the end zone. And then, of course, he runs it back 100 yards to, like, the three or something. And then they score there. So, yeah. I mean, Duncanville's up 21-0, and Louisville's defense really hasn't played poorly or really given up a drive or anything yet. They only Louisville only gave up 231 yards, and... Mm. They're down 28 nothing. They give up another pick. Duncanville gets another pick six in the third quarter to make it 35-0. So, I mean, you can't really fault Louisville's defense, but, man, Duncanville defense is awesome. Duncanville, a, a team that's on Allen's radar, or at least the Allen fans' radar, as far as a potential opponent down the road. If, if Allen is able to continue taking care of business, and, uh, hey, we can talk a little bit about that game now because this was certainly one of, the more, one of the more exciting games just in the second-round yeah. period. Well, if you get to... If that game comes to fruition and you get to do a scouting report, I don't know if you've seen Duncanville's defensive stats. I don't know what they are now. Coming into the game, they were allowing four points and 105 yards a game, and they <laughs> gave up 102 and zero points. So they're averaging like allowing like a field goal a game and like 100 yards. It'd be pretty juicy because I know there's. We were just talking on the I five. Know the schedules p- has yeah. things to do with this, but like still, that's ridiculous. I asked Taylor this on the podcast because he saw Alito play, and I asked him, "Was that the best team he'd seen all year?" Is Duncanville the best team we've seen all year? I don't know. Because I s- saw Allen, but I only saw, oh, that's right. I only saw s- them for a half. In that lightning yeah. delay against Topo? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, no offense to Louisville, but they're not the most. They've had an awesome, they had an awesome season. Yeah, they had a really good defense, but they're not exactly a high-powered offense. You know, They're mm-hmm. not a team that's going to fall behind and be able to move the ball through the air and come back. It so. was just a bad matchup. So for the, a lot of well, it's a bad matchup when you let the, the other team start inside your 10-yard yeah. line three times in a row. But... Um, Duncanville looked very good, but I, I haven't seen them face like. I don't think that offense has really faced a, like an elite offense on the other end yet. So if we're it. talking about, we're just talking about earlier potentially, you know, some dream regional final matchups, you know, at the five A level. Well, I know that if Duncanville's able to take care of business this week and Cedar, not Cedar Hill, but uh, South Lake Carroll takes care of Trinity, then you would get a Duncanville Carroll regional yep. final in Region One. And boy, does that sound juicy now with just yep. the uh, the surge that the Dragons have showcased. Dragon mystique, playoff mystique. <laughs> They're back. Protect tradition. Um, <laughs> so let's see. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Allen over in Region 2 because this was my game on Friday. And, uh, you know, beforehand we kind of sound the uh, the alarm a bit that, you know, in recent history the second round has been kind of the first part mm-hmm. of the season where Allen has met a bit of resistance. Um, you know, I went through round by round and, you know, calculated their average margin of victory over the past, you know, since 2012, since this, you know, this, this dream run of theirs really, you know, took off. And the second round was the round of all six that had the closest margin of victory. So Allen's been pushed a lot in the second round. And, and Rockwall, I mean, you know, for folks who hadn't seen Rockwall, I mean, at least you had heard through the grapevine that they have an offense that's going to be able to do some things to Allen that teams this season just haven't. And, yeah, I mean, Rockwall's offense was very much as advertised. How about this? Consider just the caliber of Allen's defense. And, I mean, numbers that were very Duncanville-esque for, uh, you know, for large parts of the season. Rockwall gained 452 yards in the first half. Man. Against Allen, including 151 through their first four plays from scrimmage. I mean, they started off the game with a tunnel screen to Jackson Smith and Jigba that he took 81 yards for a touchdown, and I mean, just a, a shot across the bow like few others that Allen has seen in quite some time. And uh, yeah, we were just settling in for a uh, just for a good old fashioned shootout. This game, uh, 
I mean, the teams combined for 92 points, you know, over 1,100 yards of offense. There were no punts. I mean, uh, nine total fourth down attempts. I mean, so not exactly a conservative game plan on either side. Um, From Allen's standpoint, though, the, um, you know, the defense adjusting in the second half and really kind of a tale of two halves for that group. Like I just said, they gave up, you know, 450 yards in one half, which is, I mean, that's insane when you consider the talent on Allen's defense. They only allowed 152 in the second half and only uh, seven points versus 33 allowed in the first half. So um, just a much better, uh, much better showing, just tackling better, you know, generating more of a pass rush. Um, and yeah, they sure they were the fresher team as well. Yes, the, the depth. That's when uh, the, the mm-hmm. second Allen in the second half is just it's just a, it's like almost like you're playing a brand new football team sometimes just because of just that. That's when the the depth and tangibles really seem to seem to take hold. Um, you know, Allen's defense f- you know had four turnovers on downs. <laughs> um, you know, two in each half. Um, and ultimately, this just kind of boiled down to one team being a bit more efficient with their uh, allotted series than uh, than the other. Because Rockwall, while Rockwall played like that was as fearless a team as I've ever seen go against Allen. You know, I think to the uh, you know when they would play Arlington Martin in the third round. You know, within the past few years, and just Martin with all the the crazy trick plays that Bob Wig would drop, and just how that team played. It was just the ultimate kitchen sink team as far as playing with nothing to lose. I mean, you saw Rockwall adopt that that same mentality. You know, they they went for it on fourth down. Seven times, yeah. you know, converted only three of them. But I mean, so they played, they played fearless. They attempted four onside kicks. Oh, I mean, wow. So it was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Did so they, they any? Um, no, was, they, were, they were zero for four. So I mean, yeah, you got to shoot your shot sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then ultimately, yeah, it just boiled down to Allen's offense just being, you know, kind of. I mean, they did have some big plays mixed in. You know, they did have a, uh, you know, an eighty-three yard touchdown run by Selden Manning after one of those aforementioned turnovers on downs. Um, you know, Grant Tisdale hit tight end Elijah Fisher, the awkwardly numbered nine. 95 on a uh, <laughs> 75-yard uh, touchdown down the seam that uh, I don't know if they had seen them dial up. a. Uh, they'll, they'll go to Elijah Fisher a bit, you know, as they inch closer to the red zone. I don't think I'd seen them dial up an Elijah Fisher play. Did you have to do a double take? Like 95. Oh, no, I've, I've seen it before. That's Like I said, it's it's definitely, uh, he can, I mean, said he's a great, he's a solid pass catcher. There's a reason why he, you know, why he plays, uh, you know, plays offense for them. I mean, so yeah, it's, but yes, between having a 95 as your tight end and then your uh, your backup running back being number 84, some uh, normal <laughs> Orthodox numbering My for goodness. Allen. But um, yeah, so Allen was afforded 10 offensive possessions. They scored points on eight of them. You know, seven touchdowns, one field goal versus just six of 11 for Rockwall. So uh, yeah, I mean, when you're clicking it, when your offense is going to be that efficient and, um, you know, your defense is able to force four turnovers on downs. Because um, Rockwall was able to advance in Allen territory pretty routinely in this game. I believe only one of those series was, um, you know, did they turn the ball over and downs um, in um you know, in their own territory. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you got to see Allen just kind of in a situation that they really hadn't yet been this season, where this was a this was a five point game midway through the fourth quarter. Really, the first like truly critical drive that Allen's had to face in the fourth quarter. Just interesting, just to see how they uh, you know just how they handle situations like that. You know, I've been saying all season long that I just want to see what Allen looks like in a game where they're just pushed wire to wire because it's just one of those things that if you're just trying to assess what they're capable of from a big picture standpoint, got to know how they fare. When uh, when the other team punches back, because it's going to happen at some point, you know. So just to see how they, just how they handle the mental rigors of a close mm-hmm. game if they commit, you know, just unorthodox penalties if the uh, executional lapses because oh wow for the first time all season we might actually lose a game. 
<laughs> but, um, but nevertheless, yeah, they handled that last drive. Um, I mean, they softened them up with the run, nine straight runs to get right down to the uh, to the Rockwall 37, and then they dialed up uh, what looked to be, you know, an RPO from Grant Tisdale to Theo Weiss. You know, just dropped a pass right between, uh, you know, a pair of Rockwall defenders. Weiss, who, had, who was double-teamed just about all game, he only had one catch prior to that reception wow. at the very end, and um, he's able to uh, break one tackle, juke past another, and then just outrace the uh, the Rockwall defense to the end zone for the uh, for the dagger touchdown um, so yeah I mean just interesting just to see Allen have to work out of some situations that they hadn't necessarily been in this season as far as what this means kind of long term I mean I don't look at games like that as any sort of like a like a sign of weakness like oh because you no. gave up 40 points to no. Rockwall that's sort of that's any sort of like a you know indictment against Allen's defense I mean Rockwall has a prolific offense and one of the a transcendent wide receiver <laughs> at the high yeah. school level at least in, in Jackson Smith and Jigba who had 14 catches for uh, oh, man yeah 14 for two 267 and three touchdowns. Wow. I didn't see that, that line. I mean, that is on the short list of, uh, of just the most impressive individual performances against Allen's defense in the time that I've been covering the team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, Rockwell's offense was very much as advertised. Um, you know, like I said, who knows what it'll mean kind of going forward. I know there's, a, you know, teams like, you know, Duncanville and North Shore a bit more run, you know, they favor the run a bit more. Yeah. Um, so it's tough to really kind of you know know what to, you know how they match how what they did against Rockwall carries over in either of those matches just because you can't find too many teams out there that can do what Rockwall can. You don't have you just aren't there aren't Jackson Smith and Jig was just growing on trees out there for other teams to to be able to replicate the success <laughs> that they, they have had. Now? They get the Woodlands. Woodlands. That's right, a matchup that certainly won't lack for any uh, any motivation on Allen's side with the Woodlands being the last team to defeat Allen back in the 2016 state semifinals. So, um, but yes, nevertheless, they, uh, it was just fun to be able to see Allen. And just a, a game that was yeah. just fun from start to finish. You know, um, all too often these times I've had to write my story midway through the third quarter because Allen's up by a million. But you know, just nice to you see them get pushed back for a change and see how they respond to that. Speaking of writing stories in the middle of the third quarter, that's what I had to do Saturday night. We can round out Prosper Longview. I finally get my first six A action. This is my first time seeing Prosper this year, and man, they were just <laughs> overmatched, <laughs> overmatched to to the max against mm-hmm. Longview. You know. You mentioned Allen. You mentioned uh, Duncanville. How you saw them, and we Taylor mentioned Alito. Longview might be the best team pound for pound in any class I've seen all year. They were just so good. They forced four turnovers on Prosper. They have this lightning and thunder running back duo, Jesse Anderson, two hundred thirty-five pounds, and then they had this kid named Kalen Williams, five-five, one hundred forty pounds, and so they would just switch off handing them the ball one would just go zigzag the other one would just barrel through and Longview their offense was just so good they put up 500 total yards they held Prosper to just 200 yards they held, they held Wayne Anderson in check all game long you know usually he explodes for 100 plus they kept him under 100 and you know a good year for Prosper first year in class 6A they finished second in that district they won a playoff game and then they just run into a you know state title contender in Longview so you know looking back you know coach Schmidt said this year was a, a massive success oh, yeah they're not disappointed at all and, you know the future's bright in, in classic safe for prosper I mean, yeah, Longview, a team that I think right now aren't they? I mean, some would say they are the favorite to win you know, Division Two yeah. out in 6A, so yeah, no shame in that. And yeah, like, considering what, what, like, what our read was on Prosper at the start of the season with so many question marks on how, they, how it would carry over, how they would replace Caleb Adams, what they would do on defense, the fact that they were able to answer all of those pretty much with resounding results um, any way you slice it, um, yeah, it's, you can only look at the season as a, as a massive positive because a, a, a lot of people pick Prosper to not even 
even make the playoffs. I know. I know. The every me, Taylor, and Kendrick were like, yeah. I guess maybe fifth right now, just given how little we know about them mm-hmm. right now. But oh uh, yeah, they definitely exceed yeah. at least our expectations. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess um, I don't know. Anything else from the from the six A festivities in the second round? Uh, that's about it. And that will just about do it then for this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday for our usual preview podcast as we look ahead to some of the high, uh, the high profile matchups in round number three, including our game of the week. You can vote on that at our website, starlocalmedia.com. Otherwise, folks, uh, hey, Justin, Brian, appreciate y'all for tagging along. Same for Taylor Raglan. Uh, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week. We will talk to y'all later. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast, brought to you by Performance Food Group. They deliver more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. Their McKinney office is currently hiring Class A CDL drivers, order selectors, and many other entry and part-time positions. For more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers, or you can call 214-491-3130. That is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.